I'm Taz. And I'm Sam. And welcome to Middle Ground on Front Porch Report. This week we'll be discussing a act of vandalism against a ramen shop in San Antonio, Texas. And we'll be talking about the long-term effects of a lead battery recycling plant in Southern LA, California. Welcome to Middle Ground. The report is in. All right, so our first story is Dateline March 14th. It comes to us from the KSAT, which is the local affiliate news station in San Antonio, Texas. And the headline is, Robin Shop vandalized with racist messages after owner speaks out against Texas's reopening. So a little bit of background for this. Uh, the owner of a restaurant called Noodle Tree in San Antonio uh, his name is Mr. Wen. He went on CNN to do an interview in regards to uh, Governor Abbott lifting the required mask mandate and allowing Texas's businesses to open to 100% at their discretion. Uh, and Mr. Wen went on CNN and said, quote, Greg Abbott doesn't have Texas's people's interest in mind. He cares about himself at this point. I was almost devastated when I heard the news just because this year has been tough on me, not only dealing with the stress of my sickness, but also dealing with the stress that comes with COVID and the anxiety that comes with that. Uh, in the article, it also specified that Mr. Wynn had recently, uh, within the past year, been diagnosed with lymphoma. He also said that Texas Governor Abbott's decision to lift the mask mandate is, quote, selfish, end quote. So with all of that being uh, understood with the interview with CNN, uh, that was on a Wednesday, I believe. The following Saturday night into Sunday, someone took it upon themselves to graffiti Mr. Wynn's ramen shop. He has a ramen shop near the University of Texas at San Antonio called Noodle Tree. Someone went and spray painted his restaurant with some racially insensitive things uh, and other things, including no mask and hope you die. And so this is a very devastating thing. I would say that uh, as Christians on scripture, we are to respect those uh, in political authority above us uh, on the authority of First Peter, where Peter says we are to honor the emperor. Um, the emperor at the time was Nero, who was hunting and killing Christians. So. That is kind of the bar that Peter's setting that we are supposed to honor the emperor. I don't think I would have used the level of language that Mr. Wynn used when he was calling Governor Abbott selfish and saying that he only cared about himself. That being said, I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that it was early to lift the mask mandate. That's my opinion. But all that aside right now, we can kind of put that to the side. Um, the person that went and graffitied his shop, uh, this was not an appropriate response. Right? And we as Christians can unequivocally, I think, rally around the fact that this is that sin. Some of the messages that were put were racially insensitive. 
or outright racist. And we Christians kind of need to condemn that. If we stand to the sidelines and just say, well, you know, it was bad, but, you know, it's just bad. And kind of where we leave it, we, we kind of lose some credibility. And I think that's important that we decide to, to stand. No, this, this is sin and this is evil, right? And so that is a very important thing that we kind of have to stand on. We need to stand with our uh, AAPI brothers and sisters and say, hey, we love you, we support you. This story is interesting because it's sort of a confluence of several different controversies and elements. There's the fact of the reopening and people will have their different opinions on whether a mask mandate is helpful or necessary or important. Obviously, Mr. Nguyen um, expressed his opinion. Governor Abbott has a different opinion on the validity or the the necessity of having a a statewide mask mandate. Um, There's the confluence of just the, the act of evil, which is going to someone's place of business, spray painting on it, messages that are racially insensitive in some cases and just outright terrible, you know, hope you die. That's just a, a terrible thing to do. And then the- Especially especially for a guy who's been recently diagnosed with lymphoma. Right? Yes. And this is pretty clearly targeted at him based on the interview that he gave on CNN and the fact that he had lymphoma was explicitly mentioned in that interview. So the person who did this had all the information he needed to, to know the context from which Mr. Nguyen was speaking. And then beyond that, there's the fact of the matter that this is a virus that seems to have originated in China and the fact that it originated in China and um, has been designated the China virus or other such things by former President Trump and others. Um, There seems to be some anecdotal evidence that points to a greater spate of crimes against people of Asian and Pacific Island descent, right? And all those are kind of coming together in this thing where you've got political differences, just outright act of hatred um, combined with potential for, you know, racial motivation as well. And because each of those elements is present, it almost muddies the water to the point where some people out of a desire to see racial elements in as few places as possible might try to downplay an incident like this. And in the process, miss an opportunity to condemn the act of evil that it was. Whereas other people in an attempt to really dig into the confluence might say that any desire to reduce masking or to um, be in favor of lifting the masking restrictions might have the same views as this person against Asian people or um, just be willing to perform an act like this. And so what should be an event that allows us to unify together Um, in condemnation of the action, seeking out the person responsible and bringing appropriate justice against them, instead turns into sort of a turbid, chaotic sort of emotional response that that could go in a couple of different ways. Um, 
and that's all on a on a political side that's all on the the commentators and the people that are responding but i think sam you know of some ways where on the ground at the actual site there's a bit more unity displayed can you talk about that yeah so shortly thereafter um i saw people commenting on facebook when the story broke that they were personally going up there with paint thinner and rags to discover that it had already been taken care of uh, the restaurant was delayed opening Sunday until 1 p.m. Um, and it had been cleaned up. And now I had seen posts on social media in the San Antonio area of people who've gone up there with post-it notes or um, just tape and paper and just put encouraging notes and just you know, covered the windows with things saying, you know, hey, we care about you. No hate in my state is a very common thing. Uh, that was a hashtag that was trending around the El Paso shooting uh, a couple years back. And so, you know, all those things are, are, are now getting displayed. And so people that care, I'm hoping their voices are louder than the original perpetrator of the enemy. But that still doesn't take away the sting, right? Uh, for some reason, we as humans listen to one negative voice louder than a thousand positive voices. And I don't know why that is. It would be an interesting conversation for us to have one day, but we're, we're not gonna get there quite <laughs> yet. And it goes to show that regardless of whether or not you agree with the political statement that he was making about the mask restrictions, or whether morally you agree with his portrayal of Governor Abbott's decision-making, Mr. Nguyen is a man made in the image of God who, because of that, deserves the respect and dignity that you would want to be afforded to you, yourself. And it is really encouraging to hear that there are plenty of people in town who recognize that and are, are willing to show it in, in small ways, as small as putting a post-it note up. And it's important in our nation to have the freedom to express our views and to express our opinions. And I think as Christians, it's important to be able to respect people, grant them dignity, and even as, as we disagree with them, to do so in a way that, that uses our words rather than intimidation tactics or just outright vandalism. Well, Taz, as we talked about a story here in Texas about an act of violence portrayed on a man's business, um, you have an article from The Guardian discussing an act of violence committed against a whole community. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, and so this is a story that, quite frankly, I am a little late on. It came to my attention today through a news article in The Guardian, which is datelined March 29th, 2021, by Brian Osgood, the Los Angeles correspondent for The Guardian. And the headline is, quote, I felt I had killed my children. Lead poisons California community and fills kids' teeth, end quote. That is a direct quote from one of the people that's highlighted in this article, Mrs. Terry Gonzalez-Cano. 
And it describes the feeling that she experienced when she realized that her home's proximity to the Exide battery recycling plant in Vernon, California, meant that the dirt and soil in her yards contained enough lead in the ground to be considered toxic waste levels. And she had had her children playing outside because she wanted to be a good mother and she wanted to encourage them to use their imagination and uh, be active. And then she found out that there's this lead, these carcinogenic chemicals that are in toxic levels in the environment around her home. And she had unwittingly exposed them to it. And her story, unfortunately, is, is not unique. There are an estimated 8,000 to 10,000 homes within a two-mile radius of this recycling plant that have experienced similar levels of lead and other carcinogenic chemicals in their soil. And the, the absolute tragedy of it is that for Ms. Gonzalez Cano, this story is not unique. She is one home among 8,000 to 10,000 in a 1.2 mile radius of the Exide recycling plant that has unhealthy or toxic levels of lead and other carcinogens in the soil. So this recycling plant has been there since 1912. And it was operating in unsafe ways for much of that time. And eventually in 2015, they actually came to an arrangement with the city where to avoid uh, being liable for a lawsuit for the damage that they had caused, they decided they agreed to just shut the plant down, cease all operations, put a big white tent around it and, and, stop, and stop the process. And they promised that they would help with the cleanup. Now, originally, they thought that this cleanup was going to be for just a couple of homes, maybe in the low hundreds, and they paid for the cleanup of about 273 homes. And then it was discovered that this was going to be a much more massive endeavor with those 8,000 to 10,000 homes. And things slowed down considerably, got bogged down in the bureaucracy and the legal process of it. The state started to step in with taxpayer money to help out. And three years later, there just hadn't been much progress made. It was still in the measured in the hundreds of homes rather than the thousands. And the reason why this story comes up again in The Guardian this Monday was that Exide had declared bankruptcy. And in their bankruptcy settlement, the judge ruled that because they did not pose an imminent threat to the community, they would not be required to pay any more to help with the cleanup and that that would fall purely on the state on taxpayer dollars, which is really quite despicable because uh, they're not an imminent threat in that they're continuing to produce this pollution, but the pollution that they produced has now been sitting in this in these neighborhoods since 2015, right? And so imminent threat, the, the threat has already been brought about. You've got these homes that are living in essentially a nuclear holocaust where it's not safe for children to go outside. It's not safe to plant food in a garden. 
And the people in the article, there are so many examples of people sampled. There's an LA Times article from 2018 that also talks about um, many people in these neighborhoods who are scared to let their children go outside, who are scared to let them track dirt into the house for fear of the exposure that it'll bring, um, developmental delays that are caused by lead or risk of cancer. And people have a unified cry, which is, we are stuck and nobody is here to help us. And one of the really interesting elements of this story that kind of connects to the one that we were talking about in San Antonio is that this is a primarily Latina or Hispanic community. And one of the points that many of the community advocates and organizers are making is that if this had happened in a primarily white community or in a much wealthier community, the cleanup would have proceeded apace and been done with long before now. But as of the writing of this Guardian article, only about 1,300 homes have been cleaned of the, of the 8,000 that are prioritized currently. And any future cleanup is going to be on the burden and backs of taxpayers rather than the people who had actually caused the pollution in the first place. And I think for Christians analyzing this, there are two major dimensions that we need to look at. The first of which is we read in scripture that, you know, God said that we are to have dominion over the earth in Genesis chapter two. Also in Genesis chapter one, God instructs Adam. No, it's also in Genesis chapter two. My apologies. God instructs Adam to work and keep the garden. And so there are these two commands that we have to have dominion and to work and keep. And that word keep in the original language has this this sense of protect or to guard. And it seems that those two instructions are odds. We have, you know, dominion, which is to bend things to our will, uh, to make things, you know, cut trees, to make wood, etc whereas to keep is almost to preserve and to not change things and, and and those two things are there in order for that we should strike a balance and i think that we can all agree looking at this situation that we as humans and specifically exide the company did not have those two principles in balance during this you know led as great uses um, you know, the first that i can think of is when you're in a hospital getting a chest x-ray uh, that x-ray technician is standing right behind a lead-lined wall so they're protected from repeated amounts of exposure over and over and over you getting one chest x-ray is not that big a deal but imagine they're sitting there pressing that button you know several times a day and over weeks that could have complications and so you know it can be used to protect in various things like that whereas uh, when it's used in its improper context, you know, uh, here it can do damage to developing minds and things like that. We can all agree that this is an improper handling of you know, our dominion. And so we as Christians agree with that. Uh, and the second thing is, is I was a biology major in college and took uh, classes like ecology and the environment and introduction to oceanology, which was everything to imagine with the ocean. And my professor, specifically for my oceanology class, he's, he always would say, there is no away, right? Um, because 
And what he meant by that is, you know, I, I wouldn't want this lead smelter in my backyard, right? I wouldn't want it near my kids if I have kids in the future, et cetera. So if I don't want it near me or my kids, why am I saying it's okay for these people in California to have to deal with it, right? Uh, so I think we as Christians can also kind of say, hey, maybe we shouldn't put the lead smelter near a community of kids. Uh, and then the question is, well, whose community does it go near? And I would say, you know, you want to say nobody's, but that isn't always feasibly an answer. And so how do you make it, you know, where do you put it, et cetera? It's, it's not like there's, you know, this magical place where you can put it where it's not going to affect anybody. And so trying to find situations where that can happen is very important to, to do. And so it's just this really awful situation. And now the people in that community feel like they're on their own. I, I wish... I wish I could tell them that, you know, it, they aren't, but until more funding comes in, until things happen, you know, you, you said that there's 200 some odd homes, maybe of the 300 some odd homes that have been done out of the thousands in the area test. Closer to 1300 now, but at, back in 2018, it, it was only 300 and yeah. To the credit of Governor Gavin Newsom, the, the new governor of California since that time, he has devoted a few hundred million dollars to toward cleanup. And the cleanup is proceeding in a sort of piecemeal approach. Originally, they had wanted to do everything. And then when they discovered the vast scale of the problem, they became a little more pragmatic and said, we're going to prioritize the, the homes with the highest level of lead. And the interesting result of that is you've got people who are not on the list. They're not on the docket to be cleaned. They don't even necessarily have a light at the end of the tunnel of, oh, if we just hold out for this much longer, we'll be able to, we'll be able to have our soil cleaned. But they're still living with soil that is containing a, if not outright toxic and unsafe level of lead and carcinogens. Uh, in, in the article, I, I scrolled down and found it, it says that there's at least 7,800 properties that have dangerous levels of lead contamination. 3,200 of them are considered to be most effective. Right now, only 2,407 2, have been cleaned. And the most dangerous batch, so the bad 3,200 that they found, are not expected to be cleaned fully until August of 2022, which is the year behind schedule. Yeah, and this is definitely an issue of injustice and the fact of the pandemic as it has so many things has complicated things. It's complicated the cleaning process, but it's also complicated life for the people who live in these homes. One mother said, quote, they tell us to stay home, stay safe from COVID-19, but for us, home isn't safe. There's no escaping the contamination. And, you know, imagine a world where the, your backyard is a danger zone for your kids. And everywhere else is a danger zone for all of you because of COVID-19, the isolation and the the desperation that that would breed in you and just the hopelessness that you, that you would receive any sort of help. I'm, I'm reminded of Jeremiah chapter 22. 
uh, starting in verse three, where it says, this is what the Lord says, administer justice and righteousness, rescue the victim of robbery from his oppressor. Don't exploit or brutalize the resident alien, the fatherless or the widow. Don't shed innocent blood in his place. If you do not obey these words, then I swear myself, this is the Lord's declaration that this house will become a ruin. And to allow people to continue to live in a situation like this, to allow this company XI to operate in such an unsafe way for so long, just because of the um, political or economic clout that they had in, in running this plant is an absolute tragedy. And the blame doesn't lie solely with members of the California government. It's obviously a lot more complicated than that, but we, I think we all bear some version of responsibility for it because as you said, Sam, we have sought to make things as safe as we can for ourselves, but also have sought to utilize the resources of this earth in such a way as to bring great comfort and convenience and entertainment or whatever else to ourselves. And one of the results of that is just the waste that can develop. And it's both terrifyingly humbling and convicting to me to know that, you know, actions that I've taken have contributed in a, in a small way to this. And my, my tremendous sympathy and, and prayers go to these people and and to officials and activists and um, charities that may or may be operating in that area to, to help solve this issue. Uh, and as a note, we tried to find a organization that was helping to fund the cleanup effort or charity or something. We were unable to find that. If any of our listeners are able to find something that is helping this community, again, the article specifying you know, the community and everything from The Guardian will be posted in the show notes. If from there, one of our listeners can find you know, something to help these people, um, if you go ahead and email us at thefunkportreport at gmail.com, we would greatly appreciate it. And if we do get that, we will edit the show notes and put that in down below uh, just to give people the opportunity to help because i know this is this is a major undertaking yeah there's just so many elements to this story there's the the slow relinquishing of responsibility by excite itself there's the the racial element here as well and the you know, the fact that this is something that the government probably should do because they they failed in their duty to protect these people in the first place. But at the same time, you know, you just, you've got limited resources, right? And there's limited money and infrastructure and bureaucracy. And it's just, it, it, it is really so similar to the Flint, Michigan thing because the Flint, Michigan thing is still going on even after they've like made documentaries and stuff like they haven't fixed it. What, what's crazy is, and this is getting into my libertarian side. So you know, go with a grain of salt, but like the court that ruled that they don't have to pay isn't even 
a court in California. Yeah. They filed for bankruptcy in Delaware, uh, which is a practice that companies use called court shopping, where they basically find a court that's going to give them the most favorable outcome or the least damning outcome. And and they file for bankruptcy there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, they didn't even file in a California company where they were located. They did it all the way over in Delaware. Yeah. Um, and I can't guarantee that that was an instance of court shopping. Right. But like, I, I'm willing to bet if I did some research, I would find some good evidence to point to that. So in the back in the, the LA times article from 2018 says that it costs about $45,000 per yard to clean it. Cause they have to remove all the contaminated soil replace it with clean dirt and then cover it with sod or mulch. Thank you for sticking with us through these very difficult topics today on Middle Ground. The world that we live in can be so tragic and filled with injustice and let that motivate us to seek to bring God's grace and justice into the world, but let us also never forget that God is sovereign and in control, and the things that the devil seeks to use to drive us into despair are within the power of God to redeem and restore in some way, even though we can't see it. So let us march on with the small act of kindness and justice that we can bring, whether that's putting a sticky note on somebody's window to bring them encouragement in a difficult time or um, finding some small way to financially support those who are in need. Next week, we will be back with our final episode of the Bible study in Ezra. We'll be in Ezra chapter 10 and we're going to have a lot of fun kind of closing that out. And then we'll be back in a couple of weeks for another episode of Middle Ground, where hopefully we'll see some more positive things that are happening in the world. And then if you have an idea of what book of the Bible that you would like us to do next, go ahead and email us. I said the email earlier in the broadcast, but the email is report at gmail.com that's the report at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at front report I, I wish I wish we could have done front porch report but that's too many characters apparently one too many characters it's okay it's a tragedy hey Taz hey Sam did you ever read the bible story about the streaker I'm intrigued. Tell me more. <laughs> it's very end of Mark. And uh, a young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him, and he pulled free of the linen and escaped naked. Oh, yeah, I do remember that one now. Um, I've heard theories that that boy was actually Mark himself. Yeah, that, and... that's a very common one. <laughs> I don't know, just... I, see, I picture like a drunk frat boy at a toga party running yeah. from the cops, 
Mm. And then, like, the cops are chasing him and grabs him by the, the toga, and he's like, not today, copper, and just rips it off and runs off naked, right? Mm. Um, I'm sure Mark, uh, St. Mark, mind you, really appreciates me calling him a drunk party boy, but, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's, it also reminds me of um, Joseph whenever Potiphar's wife is trying to seduce him and she like grabs his sleeve and he's like, no, you can have that sleeve. Bye, yo. <laughs> Although I'm sure the streaker probably wasn't um, in such an honorable mindset as Joseph was. No, not at all. strangers to love you know the rules and so do i a full commitment's what i'm thinking of you wouldn't get this from any other guy and i just want to tell you how i'm feeling gotta make you understand never gonna give you up Never gonna let you down Never gonna run around and desert you Never gonna make you cry Never gonna say goodbye Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you Front Porch Report is a passion project by a group of people who love Jesus and want to share his word. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Give us a like, leave us a rating, and help spread the word. Don't eat vegetables contaminated with lead. Don't eat the lead vegetables, the lead tomatoes. One of the articles, it's like, she's like, as she stood next to her pineapple tree planted in a plastic pot indoors to keep it safe and i was like oh that's so sad i haven't felt this bad since the end of episode two yeah <laughs> episode two is super sad uh-huh. this list also is just so sad the dark source do you talk first i talk first <laughs> you look very confused no i was just trying to find where her name was <laughs> The terrible thing I keep talking in circles. <laughs> Sam, say something because I'm not on my A game tonight. <laughs>